On this episode of the Bonus Years, Brooke takes her first ride in a Learjet. Let's go. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bonus Years Podcast. My name is Ben. And I'm Brooke. And we're coming to you live from our messy upstairs. Really messy tonight. Sometimes we come up here and it's clean and great, and I thought tonight would be one of those, but... uh, Alas, we were wrong. we were wrong. We can't even find our best self conversation starter, so we're going off cuff. We're going off a different app. We're using an app instead of cards tonight. So Brooke has got the question too. Why not just make it completely different than normal? Yeah. All right. So uh, this one's brought to you by the Gottman Love Deck or whatever. (laughs) It's pretty fun. Um, But this one is for you, Benjamin. And for you, Brooke. Brookman. (laughs) What household chore do you think is the worst? The worst household chores. Chores or chore? Chore. Hmm. Which one's a chore to you? (laughs) they're all chores that's kind of the whole point uh i just hate the dishes really i didn't know that about you i don't like doing the dishes okay i hate laundry yeah they're both pretty equally bad which might explain why i do more dishes and you do more laundry yeah good thing we're so complimentary it is a very good thing that we are complimentary complimentary breakfast of each other Yep. Why don't we have a complimentary breakfast? <laughs> It'd be uh, great. If, if someone wants to come cook us a complimentary breakfast, we would take it. Totally worth staying in a hotel for that, right? Yep. Um, well, <clears throat> thank you. I'm now ready for the broadcast. Uh, we're we're getting into some of the juicy details of your uh, transplant journey, your transplant story. Yeah. So if you have missed... The last few episodes, go back, listen, get caught up to where we're at now, which is where it really starts to go off the rails health-wise for you. Part three. Part three of the experience, right? We're yeah. on, we've done part one, which was the kind of like, um, something might be going on, yeah. but I'll you know, be fine. Part two was like, I'm in denial. <laughs> Everything is okay. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Part three is like, dun, dun, dun. Yes. No? That's kind of right. Yeah, I should title all your blogs. Cause you should, because be mine great. are terrible. It would be great. So, set us up. Just kind of, again, that reminded us where we are, but how do we start this journey right now? Where are we at? Uh, where are we at, he says. And I thought you had your notes pulled up. I so. just read the article, so I know exactly where we For are. For the first time? I just read the article. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Uh, this part of the journey starts with, um, I was back in college singing with the group, and I had gone to the hospital ER, I had called my parents, I told my director, like, hey, they want to put me in ICU, um, and the hospital really could no longer do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a rural hospital and rural, rural, rural. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Um, and so we were really grateful for those people who, when we were in the midst of like shock and grief, 
um, that had had done some research about transplant centers for us. Yeah. Uh, because there were there were really three options in our region: um, Vanderbilt and Auctioner in New Orleans, and University of Birmingham, University of Alabama at Birmingham. Uh, so three states, three options, um, and you know we had to weigh. They were all fantastic centers, but we had to weigh out the pros and cons of whether we wanted to be close to my school, whether we wanted to be close to home, whether we wanted to be somewhere in between. Um, and people had done a lot of research for us, so God bless them. They handed a folder to my parents. And they were like, "Here's some research," because we had to make that decision. So that was a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Uh, what ultimately kind of got your parents to the, and you, I guess, to the place of you could make a decision on which place was the best. Like what were the factors you guys were looking at? Um, ultimately my parents made the call because I think I was leaning towards whichever one's closer to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents felt more comfortable with new Orleans pretty much because of proximity to our home. Like that was the stable place. They'd lived there a long time, not new Orleans, but Mississippi. So they could drive there. Well, your mom grew up just outside of New Orleans. outside New Orleans. And, uh, they, they felt like that would give us the strongest support system was to be near friends and family there. So that's how I made the call. What did you know about these different hospitals at that point? Like what were what was your like awareness of what was going on? Like with my health or with the, the transplant centers were you asking the, your current health status and having to choose these things. I mean, were you just kind of told we're going to go here? This is what's going to happen. And Cause you were 20, right? Yeah, I was 20, which makes me um, legally the person that doctors should be talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, and an, until I got to auctioner, I didn't feel like I was the actual patient. I felt like I was being talked around. Um, so I don't think I realized the severity of my sickness until I got to New Orleans. Um, and I don't I actually don't know if the hospital I was at before um, I went to New Orleans realized the severity of it. They just kind of it felt like they just kind of put their hands up and they were like, we've done all we can do. Yeah. Um, so you guys make the decision that Oshner is the place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, now how, how did you get there? What, what did that <laughs> look like? Well, I assumed because it just made sense like, oh, I'll hop in an ambulance and they'll drive me there. Um, and, and then I was quickly, I don't know if I was laughed at, but it kind of felt like they were laughing at me like, oh, sweetie, no, you're not riding in an ambulance. We're taking you in a jet. I was like, I'm going in a jet. Um, yeah, they told me that I wasn't stable enough that they, they didn't think I would survive an ambulance ride. Um, what do you feel like in that moment? It seems like a pretty, I think that's the first, the first time I felt like the weight of like, Oh, this is worse than (laughs) this worse than I thought. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I still didn't quite get it. Yeah. I don't know how to explain that feeling like to get it, but not get it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had a very short ambulance ride to which I asked if they would take me by McDonald's for breakfast and they wouldn't. It's my and girl. I, lo- I love me some McDonald's breakfast. Always have, always will. Always have, always will. And then hopped on a jet and flew to you New Orleans. 
Uh, I gurneyed. Yeah. <laughs> Is that like the Bernie? Uh, no, it's less cool than that. Mm, got it. Because I wasn't like unstable enough that I couldn't walk, mm-hmm. but there, like legally I had to be on a gurney. So I flew on my first like Learjet situation with one of my parents. I don't remember which one. And How much do you think that jet getting sent to you? $13,000 one way. One way. So... For those of you who are math experts, that's twenty six thousand dollars just <laughs> a to math fly her. expert, and that was in two thousand five. So I'm sure it's more now. It's like a million dollars now. I'm sure. Yeah. So you get on the jet, fly with your mom or your dad. You yeah. don't remember which. I think I remember you telling me in the past it was your dad. Well, I've flown on that jet twice. Oh. So it could have been my. I don't know. You guys traded off. I got it. Yeah. So flew on the jet. They gave me auctioner an auctioner wings pin. Nice. Like, do you still have that? I do. Oh my gosh. It's in my jewelry box. You should take a picture of it and throw it up on social. I should do that. Um, and then got in an ambulance in New Orleans and went to auctioner where they admitted me to the ICU there. What's it like being admitted to an ICU and being aware uh, of it? It's weird. So the ICU. Usually when people get admitted to the ICU, it's not a choice they made because they were like aware of what was happening. Usually it kind of happens to them and they wake up in an ICU. But yeah. Uh, well, and I was in the ICU before. Right. Um, and so I went from ICU to ICU and it's just we- I, all around strange. Yeah. Cause I still, even though I wasn't having constant pain, was having some very serious health issues. Yeah. And for those of you who have never visited someone in an ICU, um, well, you typically wouldn't visit somebody in an ICU. Yeah. They're very intense, get it? Intensive care units. Oh my gosh. So uh, there's not typically a lot of visitors. Typically people who are patients who are in are sedated at some degree or level. So they're not really uh, very lucid. Is mm-hmm. that the right word? That's the right word. Wow. Sound smart. I'll edit out the part where I question myself and then I'll sound really smart. You say that every time you question and yourself I, and you never do no. it. Uh, I like to be authentic with you guys. Yep. Uh, but, you know, my mom was a critical care nurse for a long time. So I experienced some uh, of that and heard a lot of stories. So it's not a great place to be in general. Yeah. It, I mean, intensive care, it's called that for a reason mm-hmm. because you need more care. You usually have more nurses looking out for you. They have to monitor you a lot more closely. Um, and it's funny looking back on that situation because I, you know, was able to get off the gurney and into the bed by myself. Yeah. And when the team came in to see me, they looked at my chart and they looked at me and they looked confused and they did it again a few times. Then I looked confused because I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. And they were like, with your, with what we saw on paper, you should not be looking like what we're seeing with our eyes. Right. And so that's the first time I learned that, um, like the ammonia levels in my brain were so high. They were expecting somebody in a coma to come, Mm -hmm. to come in. Um, they expected me to be in a lot more pain. Uh, and they were just very confused by my state. Cause my, I believe my first question was, I am hungry. When can I eat? Yeah. Which again, one thing I love about you is you are very consistent. That is still your most common question in the hospital. It is. Don't tell me I can't have food because then I want it more. It's true. Very true. So you are transported. You get to ride on a private jet. You're hungry. You want McDonald's. You get there. You're in the ICU. They really can't understand how you're upright. Um, What takes place next? 
Well, because I wasn't uh, needing critical care, they luckily have a floor called the Transplant Step-Down Unit, TSU, and they moved me to that floor. Cool. Same day. Like, wow. Hey, you're too, you're too active for this floor. We need you to go to the transplant floor. Not very often you get somebody who tells you that you're too active. I am not these days. <laughs> that is for sure. Um, and so I went to the transplant step down unit. Uh, and that was people who were awaiting transplant, uh, recovering after transplant or having complications with their transplant. Got it. And at that point, we had not had any conversations about me having a transplant. So I was like, I guess they're just using this floor for, to hold me here. Like, cause I'm too, too energetic for the ICU. Um, so you have, you're transferred to a transplant hospital, but in your brain, you didn't understand that you were being transferred to a transplant hospital to get a transplant. I thought that I was going to see a team of specialists who would know how to help me. Got it. I didn't realize that that meant transplant. Okay. So when, now that you're on the transplant floor, what, uh, how do they get you to the point of like figuring out what, what your next steps were going to be? Um, I met the transplant surgical team Mm -hmm. when they were doing rounds, introduced themselves and they were like, we just want to say, Hey, in case you need a transplant. So you'll know who we are. And I was like, I'm good. Thanks. Bye. Um, and then, the hepatologists, which is just basically a liver doctor, mm-hmm. um, and all the fellows, because it's a teaching hospital, so there's like a hundred of them wherever they go, um, came in my room, talked to me, decided, let's try to treat your liver and get it to regenerate. Uh, I didn't even know your liver could regenerate. So Pretty cool. Uh, I started like high, high, high dose steroids. Yeah. Um, and that's the first time I started feeling bad because high, high dose steroids means like really achy body, uh, not, not ability to, not ability to sleep. Yes. Mm, I couldn't sleep at night. Um, even though I was tired. Um, yeah, that was miserable. I would imagine. And I just remember like crying in the middle of the night thinking like, I really want to sleep and I can't sleep. And even medicine to help me sleep didn't help me sleep. And my body was aching. It's not like you can hop in the bathtub, you know, or a hot tub. When you're at the hospital. That sounds so good. Um, I had lots of like ultrasounds and CTs, lots of imaging done to see how severe things were. Because uh, I think first first um, podcast we did, we talked about like I saw a hepatologist or a mm-hmm. gastroenterologist, but I don't remember having a CT scan or an ultrasound. So I don't, I don't even know that we had anything to compare my liver to. Yeah. Um. And then they decided after they looked at imaging that they needed to do to do a transjugular biopsy, mm. um, which sounds scary. It's the I've only had one of those. I've had a lot of other liver biopsies yeah. since then. Um, but uh, if you recall, I gained a lot of fluid weight really rapidly. Like I remember telling you guys, I gained weight. Um, it was just fluid because my liver wasn't filtering toxins out of my body. And so the safest route to get a sample of my liver tissue was to go down my jugular vein and to pull a piece of tissue um, from the hepatic vein. Yes, the hepatic. Yes, you know. And so um, that biopsy was going to give us some indication 
of what was going on in my liver, if it could regenerate, like what our next steps were. So that was kind of a big, like we were waiting for those results and hoping that we would know what the next steps were. Cause everything to that point was kind of like, we hope this works, but we don't actually know what a next step will be. Right. Um, and then they came back with the results of the biopsy and, um, Here's your liver trivia for the day. So your liver is the biggest organ, internal organ you have. It's three pounds. Your skin is your biggest organ overall. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, and it, um, mine was the size of a fist in the imaging that they saw. It's pretty crazy. So it had shriveled up and sh- shrunken down. Mm-hmm. Shrunken? Shrunk? Shrank. Shrinked? Shrink it, didn't it? Didn't. <laughs> uh, it had gotten real little. Real little. Um, and when they pulled t- a tissue sample from it, the cell structure within the liver had collapsed. So they couldn't, it couldn't regenerate, mm-hmm. uh, but they also couldn't determine what had caused the liver damage so rapidly. Uh, so we're, there we are going, uh, okay, I'm in liver failure. Yeah. I'm going to need a transplant. What do we do? What like what what does that mean for us? What's yeah. my life gonna be like now? Full stop. Full stop. Uh it's pretty crazy to get to that point. Um question. Yeah. How what is the rarest transplant organ wise that happens in the body? The r- most rare? Yeah. I don't remember. And I don't well what to. organs can regenerate themselves? Liver. Yeah. So isn't liver the most, is that the rarest transplant that's take, that happens? I don't think so, actually. Huh. I mean. Clearly, yeah. we are not experts. I'm not an expert. I'm asking. Um, yeah, I know lots of other statistics, but I don't know that one. Man. A lot of people need double lung, and that one's pretty tricky. Um, to I get, guess. To get two lungs. Just a couple balloons. <laughs> Wow, hard. Mr. Insensitive. Um, hearts are tricky. Kidneys are uh, run-of-the-mill surgery-wise, and you can get one from a living donor. And livers, you can get one from a living donor if you if your body would accept a partial liver. Hmm. Mine was just kind of beyond repair. Yeah. So a partial liver wouldn't have done me any good. Within the transplant community, there's a lot of people who benefit from living donors, and then the rest of us need organ donors to make that choice as deceased donors for when they die. Crazy. Just a friendly reminder to make sure that you are a donor. Yes. Because you don't need them things rotten in the ground. No. It should be helping somebody else. And April (sighs) is National Donate Life Month. Ooh, yeah. Uh, on social media. What we'll a great talking, time for us to be talking about this. We're going to be talking a lot about organ donation and donors and thanking donors and what it's like to be a living donor. Yeah. Lots of conversations like that. So if you're not following us, uh, follow us on Instagram at the bonus years. You should. And it'd be really, uh, we'll talk more obviously as we go throughout the story, but uh, I'm excited for people to, I know that sounds weird, but I'm excited for people to hear about your transplant. Um, uh, giver donor donor the and just kind of how that story happened and what took place and and there's a lot um 
even now, I mean, we started 2020 kind of talking about what it might look like to be back on the donor list. And there's a lot about it that just feels, ugh, you know, about the, the donate donor process and waiting lists. And yeah, so, uh, it'll be interesting, I think, to kind of dig through that and what it was like to be in your shoes, you know, 15, 16 years ago when you got your transplant and what it's like now. And, um, there's a quite a bit of need out there for it. So yeah, there's more need than organs are available. Yeah. And, uh, I, I just love busting the myths about organ donation mm-hmm. because I watch Grey's Anatomy more than the next guy and they you talk sure about do. transplants a lot, but so much of it is incorrect. Yeah. Um, and makes a lot of people who just don't know transplant very well skeptical of being a donor because it's like, yeah, oh God, they are not. Don't believe what not you see handle on those my shows. Organs properly. Um, but when that's the only information yeah. you're getting is from medical shows, um, it's hard. I so. grew up with my mom telling me, oh, that's not how you do that. They would kill a patient <laughs> if they did that. Like, that's oh, or they would lose their got. medical license if they did that. They would be fired. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, so nothing I see on medical shows is accurate. Got yeah. it. So Check. we're also going to do an Instagram live in April. I don't have the date quite yet. Ooh, it's going to be good. Um, to talk about like organ donation and myths and questions you might have. A little Q&A. If somebody wanted to make sure that they were an organ donor in the state of Washington, what would they do? In the state of Washington, all they have to do is get it on their driver's license. And in the United States, all you have to do is go to register.me and register. Boom. Easy. Register.me. The secondary part of that, let your family know your wishes. Very important. Very, very important. But I'll bother you guys with that later. Boom. Well, that's going to do it for this amazing episode of the Bonus Years podcast. Uh, We're so grateful that you listen every week. Please do not forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. Uh, And when you do that, if you wouldn't mind giving us a little rating, that would be amazing and share this with your friends if uh, you enjoy it they probably will too and if they don't then they shouldn't be friends with you I thought you were going to say and if you enjoy it no I don't know what I thought you were going to say great yep well thank you for sharing that and that's going to do it for this episode of the bonus years we'll see you next time (laughs) 